Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we celebrate this season with one of my favorite episodes from the new adventures of Nero Wolf, The Case of the Slaughtered Santas. The New Adventures of Nero Wolf was the third radio series based on mystery writer Rex Stout's popular detective character, Nero Wolf. Notable for his keen mind and stout build, Wolf preferred to solve mysteries from the comfort of his own home, surrounded by his books and orchids. Wolf's assistant, Archie Goodwin, did all the legwork, including the all-important task of keeping Wolf's refrigerator well-stocked with beer. The series debuted on NBC Radio in the fall of 1950, starring Sidney Greenstreet in the title role. Known for his portrayal of another famous fat man, Casper Gutman, in the film adaptation of The Maltese Falcon, Greenstreet's casting was met with immediate approval from Nero Wolf fans, as well as the author himself. Although Greenstreet played Wolf in all 26 episodes of the series, the role of Archie Goodwin was played by five different actors. Wally Mayer, Lawrence Dobkin, Herb Ellis, Gerald Moore, and Harry Bartell. It's unknown what led to the high turnover rate, but some have suggested it was financial. By 1950, radio was losing ad revenue to television at an alarming rate, and it was difficult for a network to support an expensive radio program for very long without a sponsor, particularly a radio show with a Hollywood film star in the leading role. Ultimately, the cost was too high for NBC, and the network canceled the series in April of 1951. And now let's listen to The Case of the Slaughtered Santas from The New Adventures of Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet and Larry Dobkin. First broadcast, December 22nd, 1950. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell means mystery, adventure. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. Yes? Yes, I know that in 48 hours it's going to be Christmas, but who is this? Who? Look, I'm a big boy now, so... Okay, tonight at 8. Goodbye. What the devil was that? This may come as a shock to you, Mr. Wolf, but that was Santa Claus. You've been drinking? Uh Uh-huh, the usual, Mill. He's coming to see you at 8. He's got a problem. Indeed. It seems that some low, not to mention murderous character, is going around slaughtering Santa Clauses. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the bulkiest, balkiest, smartest, and most unpredictable detective in the world. That chair-born genius, Nero Wolfe. Created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a new series of adventures over this NBC network in the person of Mr. Sidney Greenstreet.
earlier than eight, however, the case of the slaughtered Santas. It began to be precise on the corner of 34th Street and Carlisle. The hour was close to six, the weather cold, the sky dark. Uh, how you doing, Santa? Uh, I'm freezing to death, officer. Well, it's a cold day. You packing up? Yeah, I guess so. Not many people around anymore. Oh, heading for home and dinner. How was the collection? Well, I, I don't need no armored car, but a few dozen kids are going to have something for their Christmas stockings. Your competition, the guy in the opposite corner, is already scrambled. <laughs> Probably got low blood pressure. Yeah, give me a hand to get the collection pot off the chains, eh? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'll just walk you down the block. Got a phone in. Okay, fine. One Santa still left. Wonder what he's waiting for. <laughs> Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch yourself going down those chimneys tonight. Sure, eh? sure. Well, I'll cut across the avenue here. Be seeing you. Hey, that car coming down the street. Got its lights out. Look out! Hey, Peg. Huh? Did I ever tell you I love you? Oh, it's not me you love. It's a hot soup. Ah, now, you're not the only woman who can cook a dish of soup. Huh? It helps, though. I'm just beginning to thaw out. Yeah, that's a cold corner you play Santa Claus on. Well, don't hurt to make a few bucks. I ain't done so good this past year. Well, maybe the next year it'll be... Oh, well. Besides, I kind of like it, you know. Kids asking questions all day long. Yeah. You know, I wonder how, how they figure the other two Santas at the intersection. Our kids think of only one thing at a time. <laughs> More soup? Sure, Pat. You know, uh, one of them other Santas got hit by a car tonight. Oh? Yeah, he packed up a few minutes before I did, started crossing the avenue, and bang! He, you know, hit and run driver. Oh, gosh, that's too bad. Was he hurt? Yes, he was killed. Here's your soup. Oh, with traffic the way it is nowadays. Well, I better take a look at the stew. Somebody at the door. I'll get it, Peg. Okay. da 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 yeah, what are you... Oh! Oh! Mike! Wolf? Yes, Archie? I've been thinking. Good heavens. Oh, I admit it won't bring about a national emergency... But Mr. Wolf, Christmas is only a couple of days away. If you're hinting about your present... No, no, no. I was just imagining you behind a team of reindeer. Your imagination is morbid. You'd make a wonderful Santa Claus. Really? You've got the perfect build for it. Or as for character... Archie. Yeah? <laughs> Can you picture me scrambling down a chimney? <laughs> well, they might have to build bigger chimneys. But... Bah. Uh, there's that, too. However... That is the front door. True. I was thinking... You might see who it is. Well, if nobody's been lying to me on the phone, that'll be Santa Claus. Maybe me. But I haven't decided what I want for Christmas yet, Mr. Wolf. For example, should she be blonde or brunette, tall or short? Archie. On my way. Good evening. I dislike dawdling on anyone's doorstep. Well, stop dawdling. Come in, please. Mr. Wolf has been warned of my arrival. He has. Through here. Uh, Mr. Wolf, this is, uh, Santa Claus? My name is Barton, John Barton. How do you do, sir? I have no time for the social graces, Mr. Wolf. I'm about to be murdered. Hardly in my house, I have objections. I'm a frightened man, Mr. Wolf. Indeed. 
This this costume you see me in is responsible for it all. Why are you in it? I had a notion it might be, well, entertaining to play Santa Claus in public. I'm a wealthy man, sir. I can afford to have whims. Therefore, I have assumed this masquerade. However, it apparently <laughs> is going to be the death of me. Mr. Barden, you have adequately conveyed an atmosphere and an emotion. I suggest you concentrate on facts now. Very well. I have been acting as Santa Claus for the tuberculosis fund. My station is the corner of 34th Street and Carlisle Avenue. I might add the northeast corner. Why? Because at that intersection there have been two other Santa Clauses. One on the southeast corner and one on the southwest corner. Three Santa Clauses then on three corners. Yes, now then. Earlier tonight, the man on the southwest corner started home. He was crossing the avenue when he was run down and killed by an automobile. A regrettable accident. The car was running without lights. It deliberately ran the fellow down and then vanished. Not an accident, Mr. Wolf. You saw this yourself? I did. One Santa Claus dead. The man on the southeast corner got home all right. According to the radio news flash, that's where he was killed. By bullets. Coincidence? Possibly. But I wouldn't want to risk my life on the chance. This is Friday night. In the nature of things, you would have made two more appearances. Very well, Mr. Barton. I'll write you a check as a retainer, then hurry along home. I'm late now. No. I beg your pardon. You will neither hurry home nor notify anyone at your home of your whereabouts. But I... You will remain here until such time as I think it's safe for you to leave. The house is well guarded. I can't do that. In which case, I cannot accept you as a client. I fail to understand. Mr. Barden, it is very easy to murder someone. Avoiding the consequences of such an action is something else again. However, I'm assuming that you're not primarily interested in what happens to your murderer after you're dead? Of course not. Therefore, you remain here. Archie? Yep. First, the corner of 34th and Carlisle, a complete report. But that's nonsense. The corner will be deserted Mr. now. Mr. Barton, you're hiring my intelligence. You will therefore permit me to use it as I see fit. A complete report, Archie? Right, sir. You will then visit Inspector Crame at headquarters. You will, in whatever manner you find effective, collect all the police information about the two already murdered Santas. Fine. The manner, I think, will be applying a blowtorch to the inspector's toes. Your levity is ill-timed. The inspector is likely to throw me out of my ear. Your problem. My ear. And on your way home, you might stop in at Mr. Barton's place. I don't see any purpose in that. Mr. Barton, there is a basic problem to which we must find an answer. Whether those two men were murdered because they were Santa Clauses or because their deaths were merely preliminaries to yours. Archie, I suggest haste. Yes, sir. And avoid blondes. Hmm? <laughs> I would like you to be home in time for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Got the price of a cup of coffee? <laughs> you sure you mean coffee? Either you're gonna dig it up or you ain't. Never mind the questions about my personal affairs, see? Oh, I apologize. Here. Two bits. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Don't let me keep you. You're not. 34th in Carlisle, huh? During the day filled with milling throngs and... That's a nice phrase. I'll have to remember it. Milling throngs. And now, desolate and deserted. Well, that's life. 
Set of fact. That's philosophy. Yeah. Well, but two bits, I don't have to listen to no philosophy, see? Good night, bud. <laughs> Inspector's got company. If all you reporters will shut up and ask your questions one by one, I'll answer. Inspector Kramer, it's true a couple of Santa Clauses have been knocked off tonight? It's true that two men who have been employed as Santa Claus by charitable organizations have been murdered, yes. Any connection between those two guys, or does somebody just hate Santa Claus? Well, so far as we know, there is no connection. That means it could be maybe some kind of maniac who decided he doesn't like Christmas or Santa Claus. Is that right? Uh, the department is investigating along those lines. Like how? Well, we're checking all the local asylums for possible escape lunatics. Yeah, but, Inspector, suppose this nut has never been in an asylum. That'll be all, boys. Oh, but listen. Oh, I oh, said that'll be all. Now, anything new comes in, you'll get it, understand? A uh, good one. Hello, Inspector. Yeah, I spotted you coming in. What happened? You decided to reform and got a job on a paper? Nope. I'm a public-spirited citizen, that's all. Yeah, I could add a few things to that description with practically no strain at all. Mr. Wolf and I are very sentimental about Christmas. We object to Santa Claus as being killed. Nuts. Oh, Inspector, aren't you in favor of Christmas? I'm in favor of Christmas. I'm in favor of motherhood. I'm in... Leave motherhood out of this. Neither of us are mothers. Our chances of becoming mothers aren't too good either. And furthermore, Okay, would... okay, you're not given. So get out of here. <laughs> Thank you, Inspector. Uh, but Goodwin, yeah? in case Wolf decides to send me something for Christmas, you know what I wish he'd send me? What? Your head. <laughs> What did you say? I said my name is Goodwin and it's cold on your doorstep. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't mention your name. I'm Laura Barton. Mrs. Laura Barton? No. Fine, fine. That is, what relation are you to John Barton? His niece. Why do you ask? Oh, you've got a beautiful voice. Uh, all this marble and no butler? Well, I don't know where Pleasant is. He should be here. Have him but... shot at sunrise. Oh, Laura. Oh, Wayne, this is Mr. Goodwin. I never heard of him. What does he want? Well, I don't Wayne know. Wayne what? Stevens. Uh-huh. Friend of Mr. Barton? Half-brother, but we seem to be doing all the answering. How about your answering some questions, Goodwin? I'll try. Come into the library. What do you want? For Christmas? Uh, erase that. I would like to see Mr. Barton. He's not home. Where is he? Don't you know? I wouldn't have come here asking for him if I did, would I? I suppose that's true. What did you want with him? Conversation. About? Anything. You see, I like to talk to rich men. Are you rich? <laughs> I can't play the piano either. You could always learn. But being rich is harder, I found Mr. It. Mr. Goodwin, you must have some reason for coming here. Some reason concerning Uncle. Laura, you're being imaginative. Well, Uncle is late. He's probably still on that street corner playing Santa Claus. He enjoys it. Why bother about I what... I don't know, except... He's never been as late as this? Well, no. Not since he started that masquerade of his. Would you happen to know where the butler is? Out getting drunk, I suspect. He was in the kitchen a little while ago. Disappeared. Pleasant likes to look on the wine when it's red, or even when it's rye. Uh, no, I take that back. Oh, you do? He prefers Irish whiskey. 
We don't stock it. Therefore, oh, um... Too bad. i better run along. Good night, Mr. Stevens. Miss Barton. Good night. Uh, I'll see you out. Prettiest butler I ever saw. Blonde. Now, old Dr. Tidmouse always said, beware of blondes because... Mr. Goodwin, I... Well, I'm waiting. Well, I... Mr. Goodwin, you must know something about Uncle. Something you didn't want to tell us. Makes you think so. Well, otherwise, your visit was just pointless. Let's suppose I know. Now, I might be a kidnapper. Oh, no. My honest brown eyes. Your first name is Archie, isn't it? Archie? Archie Goodwin. Hmm. Goes together nicely, don't you think? You work for Nero Wolf. You're going back to him now? I might be, but then again, I might be going to the movies. I recognized you. Your pictures have been in the papers. Take me with you to see Mr. Wolf. You can trust me. I never trust blondes. Oh, that's unfair. Well, no, I don't trust brunettes either. Furthermore, I'm not sure Mr. Wolf would want to see you, so I... Uh... So? So why don't you, uh, trail me home, hmm? <laughs> Archie, where's Santa Claus? Guest room. He was tired. What? Uh... I've been trailed home. Me? By a blonde. Who is? All right, I admit I didn't make any strenuous effort to shake her off, but she trailed. Where is she? Outside. Good. Your report. Oh, but she might freeze to death out there. That's her problem. Your report, Archie. It's short and simple. It would be simple. I haven't got time to resent that. A blonde is dying. As for the report. Corner of 34th and Carlisle is a very quiet spot at night. No one was around but a bum who got into me for a quarter. For coffee, he said. You will not put that quarter on the expense account. Stop worrying. That was a private gesture. There were four corners. Corner number one had a dress shop on it. Corner number two, a drugstore with a beautiful redhead in the window making with a hair rinse. The ad said her name was Noreen, but it didn't give her phone number. Ah, gee. Third corner was devoted to a shoe store, and the fourth corner had a bank on it. A bank? Mm. Uh-huh. Kind of thought we'd have a pause at that point. Mean something? Inspector Kramer's information consisted oh, of... Oh, you're being coy. Kramer furnished the information the police could find no connection between the two murdered Santas. Except for the fact that they were both playing Santa Claus. Well, isn't that a little on the obvious side? This is an obvious case. The Barton home, Archie. Uh, marble and old lace. A butler, his name is Pleasant, was among those missing. Among those present, Laura Barton, the old man's niece, and Wayne Stevens, his half-brother. Ah. Yeah, only for Laura. Stevens was not at all pretty. It was Laura Barton who followed you here. It was Laura. Archie, uh, go upstairs mm-hmm. and... Uh... Oh, now, wait a minute. The girl, the weather, common humanity demands that you have... Louis, you speak for yourself, not humanity. I'm human. On occasion, a debatable point. Very well. Let her in. Oh, thanks. Laura, come in. Laura Barton, Mr. Wolf. How do you do? How much money do you inherit on the death of your uncle? What? That is known as the shock treatment. However, I need an answer. Uncle isn't dead, is he? That, for the moment, is irrelevant. How much? Half his estate. The other half? Wayne, uncle's half-brother. Very well. Archie, would you go upstairs and inform Mr. Barton that his niece is here? Uncle is here? On my way. 
Archie, Mr. Barton. Come in. Mr. Wolf would like you to come downstairs. I suppose he has a reason. Mm-hmm. A blonde reason, your niece. My niece? That's right. She just... Hey, where'd you get that? A man of my wealth finds it safer to carry a revolver. But it's not safe to point it at people, especially for the people. Turn around, Goodwin. But, Mr. Barton, we're protecting you. By letting that girl into the house? If I had the time, I'd be amused. As it is! Santa Claus came early. Go ahead. Which one are you referring to, my own or the one Santa gave me? You had better sit. No, no, I had enough trouble getting up a little while ago. I'm staying out of any positions in which I might have to do that again. Mr. Barton is among the missing. Indeed. Mm Mm-hmm. Hit me on the head and use the back exit. I checked with Fritz in the kitchen on the way here. He offered a reason for his peculiar behavior? Laura Barton. So? I... I don't understand. Uncle wouldn't do... Uncle apparently has. He also, would appear, fancies himself in costume. He used to be very much interested in the stage. He he acted for a while, a long time ago, till the family objected. Archie? Got it. Nero Wolf's office, Archie Goodwin speaking. You recite very nicely, Goodwin. This is Kramer. Let me have Wolf, huh? Mr. Wolf? Inspector Kramer. Yes, Inspector? The papers haven't been carrying it, Wolf, but uh, you're working on the Santa Claus case, aren't you? Possibility? You didn't send Goodwin down to headquarters on a possibility. Uh, Never mind. We're working on a line down here, Wolf. Now, look, uh, if it doesn't strain your professional ethics, you might be able to help. How? There's a bank on the corner of 34th Street and Carlisle. We got the thought that suppose a gang was preparing to take that bank tomorrow morning. Those Santa Clauses have been on the corner for nearly a week now. They might have noticed something about the bank's routine, guards or what have you, that could interfere with the gang's plan. A mighty ingenious and imaginative thought, Inspector. Hey, you didn't say yes or no. I have at the moment no opinion. That's all you're going to give us? At the moment. However, Inspector, in a very little while, I shall give you... uh, (laughs) The murderer. Archie, Miss Parton will remain here. As for you... Yeah? You return to 34th Street and find our coffee-loving friend. Hmm? You will persuade him in whatever manner you think best to return here with you. Huh? Yes. <laughs> you know, I think it's possible you may be able to put that quarter on the expense account after all. You... What? Oh, why? I've seen you before. Yeah, I've learned to love the neighborhood. That's why it's going to break my heart. What is? Leaving it with you. With... It's sensitive about having guns pulled on me tonight. Let go of me, will you? Not until I... I tell you that, McGill. Yeah. Gun looks in a lot better shape than you do. You're coming with me. Oh, where? Mr. Wolf would like to see you. Hero Wolf? Yeah. Well, Why? He's trying to salvage a quarter. Ah, Archie. Uh-huh. Complete with the... He wouldn't give his name. He did have a gun to it, though. This one. 
Yes. Archie, you know Miss Barton, of course? Aye. And Mr. Stevens? He joined us a moment ago. Miss Barton thought she'd be happy if he were here. Hello, Stevens. That's not the only reason I came. My brother is still missing. I'm concerned. Yes. You, sir, will you sit down? Watching people stand makes me uncomfortable. I don't have to. You do. Archie is stronger than you are. Mm, all right. Ah, that's better. If you don't mind, Mr. Wolf, I've never been here before, never met you. But you look as though you could handle things. I think my brother's been kidnapped. Possibility we should have to consider. Miss Barton, perhaps you have a theory, too? Well, I don't know. Uncle's been behaving strangely for weeks now. In what way? Well, I'm not sure. Wayne... Well, of course, John's always been a little peculiar, but... I'm afraid I saw nothing especially strange, outside of this Santa Claus stunt, of course. I see. Miss Barton, your uncle played Santa Claus all week on one of the corners of 34th Street in Carlisle. I know. On two other corners, two other men indulged in the same activity. Those two other men are now dead. Oh, no. Wait. Mr. Wolf, you mean they were killed by mistake for Barton? It is true that one man made up of Santa Claus looks very much like any other man's similar costume. But the answer is no. One of the two men was shot in his home after he had removed his costume. Well, then, what connection? Miss Barton, in the event that you wanted to hide a tree, where would you hide it? Hide a tree? Why, I wouldn't even begin to know. If you were very clever, you would hide it in a forest. If you wanted to hide a murder and were very clever, you would adopt the same principle. Wait... You mean that if someone wanted to kill Uncle and didn't want to be suspected, he'd... Go about murdering several people with an ostensible, if lunatic, reason. He would let us say go about killing Santa Clauses. I get it. Then people would think the man he really wanted dead for a special and private reason had been killed for something that didn't point to him. True. That was why two Santa Clauses were murdered tonight. The third Santa Claus, however, the real object of the murderer's attention was luckier or suspicious. He fled. Ah, do I have to hang around here and listen to all this? You do, my unwashed friend. Mr. Barton fled and the murderer was in a quandary. He had, so to speak, invested in two murders merely to make the third one confusing. But he found himself unable to commit that third murder. He couldn't find his victim. Could he ask the police to do so? Hardly. But he might try to inveigle a private detective such as myself into the job. Uh, that makes sense, Mr. Wolf. But uh, why would my brother have deliberately fled from your house? I, I, I mean, he was protected here, so... But do I make myself clear? Very clear, Mr. Stevens. Archie, that gun you took from the dirty gentleman, you still have it? I still have it. Then would you mind pointing it at Mr. Stevens here until the police remove him? All right, come along, Stevens. Well, that's the end of Mr. Stevens. Inspector Kramer will take good care of him from now on. But now, Mr. Wolf, Laura and me and the refugee from a washcloth over here would still like to know how and why and who was involved. I knew two people had a motive for John Barton's death. Laura Barton and Wayne Stevens. One of them proceeded to kill Santa Clauses in the hope that the police would assume those killings to be the work of a lunatic. The paper certainly hopped on that assumption. Yes. However, John Barton, aware that his life was in danger, escaped his murderer 
And hid. In this house? No. A man in Santa Claus costume came here and said he was Barton. However, he was an obvious imposter. He proved that by his flight when his niece came here. You mean he could fool you, but he knew he wouldn't be able to fool me, so... Precisely, therefore, was not Barton. Who was it? Who else had disappeared at the propitious moment? The butler, Pleasant. True. I distrust coincidence. Stevens needed an accomplice, hence he sent Pleasant here. And Pleasant would give you a song and dance about Barton's danger and then scram. You'd start investigating, discover Barton was missing, try to find him, and lead Stevens to his victim, huh? I frustrated that part of the plan by insisting on Pleasant's remaining here, which he did until... That part of it's fine. But how did you choose between Laura and Stevens? It was Stevens who knew, without being told, that Barton had been in this house and had fled from it. Yeah, yeah, you yourself mentioned that Stevens had only been here a moment, so you hadn't told him. Obviously, the butler phoned him as soon as he had hit you over the head and escaped. Furthermore, the butler masquerading as Barton had attempted to throw suspicion on Miss Barton. That convinced me of her innocence. Well, you've done it again, Mr. Wolfe, except for one minor detail. You're not very successful at irony, Archie. What minor detail? Where is Barton? In this house. Huh? When did that happen? You arrived home with the gentleman sitting near you. The bum? Wait, wait a minute. This I ought to be able to figure out myself. Laura said Barton used to be an actor. That's item one, huh? Yes, Archie. Also, why is a supposed tramp hanging around a deserted intersection for handouts? The answer is he wasn't. He was keeping an eye out for trouble he knew was after him. (laughs) Oh, so it turns out I gave a quarter to a millionaire. Uncle, your uncle. That is, I... I know, my dear, yes, I'm uncle. I did a rather decent job, didn't I? No one recognized me. Uh, except, of course, you, Mr. Wolf. Not recognition, Mr. Barton. Logic. Archie, open some beer for us. Yes, sir. Logic, eh? Well, whatever it was, Mr. Wolf, I owe you a good deal. How can I ever repay you? Oddly enough, the answer is simplicity itself. <laughs> Make out a check. have been listening to The New Adventures of Nero Wolfe, starring Sidney Greenstreet. Tonight's transcribed story was based on the characters created by Rex Stout. This is an Edwin Fadiman program produced and directed by J. Donald Wilson. In the cast were Larry Dobkin as Archie Goodwin, and Howard McNear, Grace Lennard, Vic Rodman, Herbert Butterfield, Bill Johnstone, Gene Bates, and Bob Bruce. Next week at this same time, Nero Wolfe and Archie will bring you The Case of the Bashful Body. Don Stanley speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. That was The Case of the Slaughtered Santas from The New Adventures of Nero Wolf. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And this is the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. I forgot to say that because I'm so 
uh, taken aback when I have to utter the phrase slaughtered Santa. <laughs> it is so disturbing to me. <laughs> Just that title, those two words together. It's terrible. It's terrible. I can't even look at it on this paper. <laughs> Slaughter is what, you know, that's how you it's get It's like your... there's a Santa ranch out there. Right. That they got to <laughs> right. do a big roundup and ride the Santas across the plains. Murdered Santa. Uh, Take him to Texas for slaughter. Right. <laughs> Texas Chainsaw. Right. Um, here's your Christmas tie-in, everybody. Mm-hmm. Not I know there's Santas being slaughtered, but here's another great Christmas tie-in. One of my favorite movies of all time is, uh, especially a holiday movie, is Christmas in Connecticut. And Sidney Greenstreet, who was always given these roles, evil characters or tough characters and stuff. And he was so happy to do Christmas in Connecticut. It's one of his favorite movies because he got to do comedy. And uh, he's marvelous in the comedic role in that. And I love his performance in that. So when I heard this, like, oh, Sydney Green Street, yay. And then I uh, listened to this and watched Christmas in Connecticut for the 900th <laughs> time this year. Oh, good. And if you have not seen that movie, oh, God, Joshua, you'd hate it. But it's a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so watch it. Why I think you, do you like, think I'd hate I it? Do. I do. I love Sydney Green Street. Yeah, but and I, I think he's a great comedian. I think he's very funny in this. That's one of yes. his uh, yeah. charms as Absolutely. Uh, Nero Wolf. I wonder if you'd like Christmas in Connecticut. It's a farce. It's a crazy door slamming farce. I love crazy door slamming farce. Do you? Okay. Do you remember last week when we listened <laughs> nope. to the adventures of Leonidas <laughs> Witherall and I raved? And I could pronounce it just now right. with the script in front of me. After a week's practice. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I'm, I'm wrong. You'll love it. You should watch it. <laughs> well, Eric already mentioned the title, The Case of the Slaughtered Santas, which is what attracted me right? to this originally in a track list of Adventures of Nero Wolf stories. I was like, oh, I've got to listen to this. And mm-hmm. I assumed that the reason it was chosen for a title was that it was hyperbolic <laughs> and alliterative and thus yep. funny. So I hit play and I'm listening to it. And the title <laughs> not wrong. actually is not wrong. They deliver on the promise of it. And we have an opening montage of Santa's actually being <laughs> slaughtered, with, brutally murdered. With the Foley. Yes. yes. Get to spend some time with Santa's family. (laughs) Uh, And that as well, where unlike the tone of the rest of the play, there is a sort of realism to the scenes with these Santa murder victims (laughs) where they uh, we see that they are warm, real humans before they're murdered. Aspirations. (laughs) Wife made him some delicious soup and for some reason was also working on a stew. It's a fine line between soup and stew. Apparently. Basically, size of chunks. <laughs> that woman just like, I finished this soup, now I gotta make a stew. <laughs> you gotta build up to a stew. <laughs> well, you don't have to cut as much. Bigger pieces. I'm sorry, you were saying something. Uh, nope. It nope. M- Back to not, the stew. It might not be true for other listeners or my hosts, but it was a real hook into the story right? for me. Like, I, yeah. I went from putting it on casually in the background, like this might be amusing, to like actually sitting down and listening intently after that. I haven't listened to a lot of Nero Wolf, but I liked it. I liked how he solved it and what the premise was. And I did have, I was very proud of myself. Oh, wait. 
that might not be that guy. Mm. And then I also had the moment where he said, oh, well, then he ran out of your house. I said, wait, how do you know that? And I was like, so I had my own little detective moments where I was like, ah, I'm as smart as Nero Wolf. A few more pounds and some beers, you could be Nero Wolf. <laughs> Everyone has to have goals. <laughs> uh, but that's a fun thing about the mystery is it's a fair play mystery. Yeah. yeah. Once it's solved, all the clues are there. And like Eric, you could have solved it right. <laughs> before. I did not. Wolf. Which is why, please forgive me, this is a weird connection. It reminded me of an I Love a Mystery. There's a lot going on that's kind of complicated and weird, and it all got tied up in a nice, neat bow at the end where it was all plausible, the fair play mystery. I liked the entire process of like, yes, yes, yes. Um, I will say Archie Goodwin is so girl crazy, I think he may be covering. <laughs> it's a little it's, it's, too I like girls blondes <laughs> like blondes it's that weird magical time when <laughs> men objectified women differently based on their hair color <laughs> he's so adamant about it though like hey uh, could you uh, pick up that sandwich for me I love women <laughs> did I mention how much I love women <laughs> Don't look at me like that. I love women. <laughs> but I don't trust them. <laughs> right, but I hate them. Which is the other part of it. Like, uh, That is one of his defining characteristics, even from the books. But again, right. when you reduce these down to 30-minute uh, radio plays, right. uh, some elements seem a little more overpowering. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, but it leads to some fun bits of dialogue. And I love the dialogue in Nero Wolf mm-hmm. uh, in the books particularly, but the radio shows do a good job capturing that comedic quality. Uh, And the whole exchange when Archie Goodwin shows back up to Wolf's house and Laura has trailed him in quotes (laughs) and uh, Wolf is trying to get information out of him and it's just this running (laughs) gag of like this poor blonde is on the step, she's freezing to death and (laughs) the weather, the humanity and it's just nicely sprinkled in with a bunch of exposition because Mm -hmm. Goodwin has to share all this information with Wolf some of it the listener already knows. So by sprinkling in those jokes, it makes that narrative work more interesting and pop. I also like when he first met her, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> that tells a lot. Uh, There's just, uh, from mainly there are too many great lines in this to write them all down. But some of my favorites are when uh, Archie first encounters Barton disguised as the panhandler. And he asks for a cup of coffee and... Uh, Archie's like, are you sure it's coffee? Right. And the bum says, either you're going to dig it up or you ain't. Never mind the questions about my personal <laughs> affairs. <laughs> and again, it's the kind of show where, hmm, they're really introducing you to this bum. This must be significant. <laughs> yeah. But also they take a lot of time for humor and to give life to small supporting characters. So you think, well, maybe this is just a fun bit with a... Yeah, just street. someone to talk to while he's out here looking at the yeah. landscape. And maybe he'll play a role later as in, like, yeah, maybe he'll have witnessed something and he'll be able to provide an important clue. But I had no idea that he was Barton in disguise <laughs> at that point. Obviously, when uh, Wolf orders that he be brought yeah. to his house, you're thinking, hmm, maybe something's up. And I think we put all the pieces together uh, when the niece reveals that uh, Barton used to be an actor before the family objected. Right, right. <laughs> and I do forget that what a disreputable profession acting once was. Um, no, I don't. 
<laughs> well, that was just low pay and has a high status, which is the worst because a bunch of jerks are willing to do it for free now. So. Right, right. <laughs> jerks. Jerk actors. Um, but I do. I have an old vintage sign, probably from early 1900s, presumably from boarding houses or somewhere uh, that I have hanging up in my house that says, we do not lease rooms to theatricals. <laughs> Nice. I want that sign. Are you That's tired you. of leasing rooms to theatricals? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which would be everybody in my house. I love, like, what stopped an actor, because they're an actor, from going, <laughs> I'm not an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they did background checks in uh, the early 1900s. But <laughs> just couldn't turn it off. <laughs> Rolling his R's and <laughs> to be or not to be an actor, I choose not to be. Get out of here, actor, actor, theatrical. <laughs> it's John Lovett's character. He's yeah. doing. I'm acting, <laughs> acting, genius. Thank you. <laughs> oh, uh, one of the other things I enjoy specifically about this Nero Wolf mystery is it uses a trope mystery trope that I'm really fond of and that is that hiding a needle in a stack of needles trope yes and this is far from the first to do that but it is still used in modern TV shows today but um, I decided to nerd out and try to trace back where this came from and I think the earliest example I could find was from a uh, Father Brown mystery from 1911 G.K. Chesterton's detective character where a whole battle between armies is staged to hide a body on a field of dead bodies. (laughs) 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 Uh, But I think the most famous one is the ABC murders, Agatha Christie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. I just just watched that. Is it that terrible modern adaptation? That's just the one that just came out Uh, with, uh, what's his name? John Malkovich. John Malkovich, yeah. That's not the ABC Murders. That's some other garbage that is disguised as the ABC Murders. They called it the ABC Murders. Yeah. I watched the whole thing. That's not Hercule Poirot's character. Damn it. (laughs) No. We'll save this for my I Hate Modern Agatha Christie Adaptations podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I did fall for all the, the Red Herring stuff. Of like keeping track of who was on the northeast corner, who was on the southwest corner. Oh, there's a bank. They played me like a fiddle. Like none of that mattered. Right. I actually thought that the detective, the the cop that called him, his theory was pretty solid that they were casing the bank. And I was like, this is where we're going. Yeah, it's a great red herring Mm -hmm. because it seems plausible. Mm -hmm. But he is the classic cop who never gets anything right character. So (laughs) then you know there's got to be something more to it because he couldn't actually be right. And I'm pretty sure that's um, Bill Johnstone. He has a really oh, versatile voice. Like the, uh, wow. Now that I've tuned into him, I keep hearing him in, in everything. And he doesn't sound very shadowy here at all. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have been great if Nero would have said, yep, that's it. Good job, you. The end. Way to figure it out. And the reporters who are convinced that, hey, maybe it's a maniac who hates Christmas. That's also plausible and I love, ridiculous. I love that whole thing that, you know, of course, that's what the papers are going to run with and yeah. that that angle. But I love it's not just a loon. Right. But it has to be one that's escaped. So we're checking to see <laughs> if one has escaped. 
Has anybody? Oh yeah, yeah. A Bill who hates Christmas. Oh no, wait. He yesterday. hates Easter. Never mind. <laughs> but I like the idea that they have to check. Oh, did we forget to tell you? Yes, <laughs> we had a loon escape yesterday. I've been super busy. Forgot to file that report. You guys should have been looking for him a long time ago. How many did he kill? Two. Okay. Well, sorry about that. That was the fun conundrum of when Santa first comes to Nero's apartment of like, someone's going to kill me because I'm wearing this outfit. Why are you wearing that outfit? <laughs> yeah. Then take it off. Yeah. And it's not like I need an excuse to want to be rich, but this gives me an additional excuse <laughs> is I want to be able to say I'm a very rich man. I can afford to have whims. <laughs> Right? And all that, at first he seems like a really eccentric guy. Well, then we realize it's not even the actual actor. It's the drunk butler posing (laughs) Barton. But it's nice how all this really as silly as this can be shakes out. He's like, oh, well, it's not just that he has whims. He has this um, dream of being an actor, and that's been uh, poo-pooed by his family. So it actually ends up being a little more, I'm not going to say complicated, but like, it's that nice thing where the motive is the simplest motive of all. Like, I want to inherit money. Um, but everything around it is nicely convoluted. So untangling it is a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of this. <laughs> From the actual plot itself to the production to the classic characters. And, of course, Sidney Greenstreet's fantastic. Yeah. Even just his voice. Yeah. Oh, and he has that great laugh, that yes, he perverted does. baby giggle. Yes. <laughs> That's not it. That's horrible. Nope. <laughs> Dead on. Perverted babies. And I hate them. Any- Get your mind out of the gutter, baby. <laughs> Any detective series that ends with the detective just taking a big sloppy guzzle of beer and then going... Ah, <laughs> write me a check. Write me a <laughs> check. <laughs> it's just like everything I love about Nero Wolf in that one moment. Any other last thoughts, or should we vote on Let's it? Vote. vote. I was close to voting a couple sentences ago. I realized oh, I'm wrapping this up. <laughs> I love everything about this. I love the production. I love the performances. I love the plot itself. The, the title is hard for me to say out loud, but it's effective. <laughs> That is so Christmassy. <laughs> that is now part of my Christmas tradition. Everybody gather around. We're going to listen to The Case of the Slaughtered Santas. Yay. And I'm going to play it for like four-year-olds. <laughs> you can get together like a little school production. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell my school that I teach theater at. This is what we're doing this year. <laughs> Okay, Tommy, you're going to be Archie. You love blondes. <laughs> but you don't trust them. I need a car on the stage. And I need some, I need some Santa dummies to run into. <laughs> I guess classic, no, but uh, really stands the test of time and really fun and perfect. Thank you. I think this might be a... To, sort of glom on to what Josh was saying, a sneaky classic mm. of it seems just fun and innocuous. I mean, like, you know, for two murders to be really fun. But it has a what I would call like a really good engine under the hood. Of It's got a lot of quality that doesn't necessarily show off. Right. Um, but it helps it go well. 
Um, so sneaky classic, I'll call it. Yeah, I'm going to call it a Christmas classic. I listen to it every year. Unlike Eric, I like a lot of my Christmas stuff to have some subversion in it. So it's got <laughs> big characters. It has uh, witty dialogue and brutal murders. Everything <laughs> I want out of a Christmas uh, episode. And I want to emphasize, I was really drawn in by the tonal differences between the opening murder scenes and the more flippant style of the rest of it. And uh, I might be digging too deep because I've listened to it now about five times. But uh, in my mind, I enjoy it because it it reflects one of the things I like about the character of Nero Wolf, and that is his extreme emotional distance from all these cases. He just wants money and beer. <laughs> and right. so we get to feel for these characters, and then we take on that emotional distance of Nero Wolf. Um, I'm sure that's exactly what these writers intended all those years ago. <laughs> uh, but Christmas classic for me. Thank you, Joshua. You're welcome, Joshua. <laughs> Tim, tell them stuff. Go visit ghoulishdelights.com. Please, you'll find other episodes of this podcast there. You can comment. You can vote in polls. Let us know what you think of these episodes. You can send us messages if you have something secret you want to tell us. You can also link to our social media pages. I'm just letting that go. I'm not going back for it. <laughs> and Please don't tell us anything secret. We're not priests. If you tell us about a murder or something, we are going to have to report it. <laughs> Uh, you can link to our social media pages or our threat the store to buy some swag or our Patreon page. Yes, you can go to patreon.com slash the morals. Now, if you become a member, sure. then we'll keep your secrets. Right. <laughs> but there's got to be a money exchange for that to happen. So go to patreon.com slash the morals and we'll keep your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> we just added a whole new thing to Patreon. Yes, become a Patreon. Yeah. And, uh, we have our monthly Zoom confessions. <laughs> we have confessions, and uh, we just have to change our status with the police department to make sure that that is privileged. Uh, I was talking to the Morals Podcast guys. Uh, that's not admissible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, if you want to see us perform live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater, uh, 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 the thing that we do, we do uh, live what audio do you, what drama. What is the collective noun for a group of actors? Right. Theatricals. <laughs> Theatricals. We do uh, re recreations of classic radio drama and adaptations of that. And we also do a lot of original work live on stage, uh, our theater company does. If you'd like to see us performing audio theater, please go to ghoulishdelights.com or mysteriousoldradiolistingsociety.com to see where we're performing, when we're performing, what we're performing, and how to get tickets, either in person or you can watch online. What is coming up next? Coming up next is year five of The Signalman. Uh, if you don't know what that means, we have been listening to adaptation of The Signalman for the last four years. This is the fifth year running. We've got more to go. Check it out. Until then. Look out! Uh, gee, I suggest haste. Yes, sir. And avoid blondes. Hmm? <laughs> Get your mind out of the gutter, baby. <laughs> <laughs>